Today I would like to talk a little bit about what it means to be in the Spirit. And we also want to talk about the fruit of the Spirit and the whole ministration of the Spirit. Now when we thought of the ministration of the Spirit, um, or at least me, when I was thinking of the ministration of the Spirit, I was thinking of the gifts and the power and the supernatural and all those kind of things, and that the Holy Spirit would come over me and bring forth the forth those things and that is and then when I would uh, think of the scripture all the time and when I would live a holy life it means I'm living in the spirit and then uh, you know I try to live in the spirit as much as possible so that by the spirit I could mortify the deeds of the flesh and so have an inheritance uh, you know there were so many misunderstandings about the spirit and uh, as you guys that follow the ministry know, we've been talking a lot about uh, immortality and the raising of the dead and all those kind of things. So I would like to speak today about the ministration of the Spirit and the effect uh, that the Holy Spirit can have on a person's life in this life. Now, as an introduction, I want to just touch a little bit on fear uh, about fruit bearing. You know, many times when it comes to fruit bearing, we find people are very afraid. We don't have to be afraid about fruit bearing. Fruit bearing is not something that should threaten God's people. You know, we've been threatened too many times. And now God comes and he promises something and he says, hands off, I'll bring it forth in you. And now we say, no way, my heart's not going to allow that. I'm not going to allow you to bring that forth in me because I've tried to bring it forth and I cannot. I've tried by the works of the law. I've been promised this good life and everything and that God will help me. And, and, and I've tried to live holy and I've tried to be generous. I've tried to be kind. I've tried to be friendly. I've tried to be all those kind of things. And I know it doesn't work. It's like a hope deferred. So when I listen to the gospel, all I want to hear is how God loves me unconditionally and how um, he loves me just the way I am uh, with my sin. And just the way, and that's all I want to hear. Now let me tell you something, it is true that God has loved you with all of your sin and your sin doesn't threaten him, your sin doesn't change his mind about you, yet it is not the highest quality of life, neither is it the life that he's planned for you. So uh, we don't have to settle with a life flooded with fear, flooded with uh, 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 anxiety, f- flooded with 20 things and steps that we need to take in order to bring peace to our own heart. A life of resentment where we are upset about things that happened in the past and we can't get over it and where we don't know what the future will bring, uh, where we have to have all our emotions found in the news and in politicians and all those kind of things. Now, a person that is in all of that, you know how much God loves him? With all his life. What does God see in him? He sees my son, my daughter, the one whom I love, the pearl of great price, the treasure hidden in a field. That is what he sees. And he will never see anything else. Yet, the turmoil in your heart is a voice that cries into the heavens that God hears and he hears the pain of his people. If I, if I see uh, my son go through a hard time, the hard time without him and the, the situation he's going through without him ever asking me to help him, just the fact that he's going through such a hard time is already enough of a prayer. It's enough of a request uh, to um, activate this father's heart 
to save him, to bring redemption, to bring a way out and to minister to him in a way that he can have freedom. This is what it's all about. So, And I would like you to know that. I would like you to understand that. I would like you to have a mindset that we don't have to be afraid to talk about fruit. At the end of the day, that is what God has promised us. That is what God has promised us. God's plan from the beginning was to have an earth flooded with billions of people that knows the good news, that knows their union with God, that love, that is kind, that live together, where in heaven would invade earth and earth would be glorified and have the same life as what God has. That is the plan from the beginning. That is what he said to Adam and Eve. This is my promise. You can flood the earth. This is the blessing he gave them. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the whole earth. With what? With people like you that is walking in a relationship with me wherein I am the source of their life. Then they didn't listen to that. Then God came again and he appeared to Abraham. And he said to Abraham, Abraham, I promise you that you will fill the earth. That's basically what he says. Your descendants will be like the sand of the sea. There will be so many of you. That is the plan. And the promise was to him and to Jesus. And he promised Jesus as well. He said, Jesus, if you die, a grain will not remain alone. But when you are raised, others will be raised up with you. And the earth will be filled with people just like you, without sin, immortal. That is God's plan. And the only way that can take place is by His supernatural power, which is called the Holy Spirit. One thing we need to understand is that the moment we believe something, we enter into the spirit of the very thing we believe. If you believe in politics, you enter into the spirit of politics and the power that politics has will... um, will manifest in your life. The very same thing with sport. The very same thing with cycling or fishing or all those kind of things. If you enter into something and your heart believes it and grabs a hold of it, the spirit of that thing starts to live in you. That is how it works. Another way of saying that is the principle that brings life or a better word would be the power of that truth or of what you believe will start to live inside you. You know, we can take sport, we can take um, a love for fishing, a love for what We can take that and we can find that it has a power the moment we believe in it, but we find that that power is not eternal. Neither can that power bring eternal bliss to you or eternal peace to you or any of those kind of things, but it can have an effect in your life. Your whole house will be shaped uh, uh, in a way or formed in a way. Your time, your household, everything you do will revolve around fishing and fishing will... Um, will, will basically rule your house. You'll be under that spirit. Now, the spirit of God is the power of God in line with the very truth of God. And in the beginning, it hovered over the waters and God spoke and created everything that was created. So by the word, through the Holy Spirit, God creates. So he has come and he has brought forth a word that we can believe so that we by the Spirit or the power of God can have access to the life of God. 
That is the only way. And nothing added, no principle, no tithing, no faithfulness to a system or a man of God, or a nothing is needed, simply a reliance upon God. Now, when we talk about the Spirit of God, we're going to read, I, mean, I, I didn't write this down, but in John, I think it's John 7, the Bible says that it talks about rivers of living water that will bubble up in us, and this rivers of living water is what God speaks about, the Spirit that will be poured out, you know, upon us. It says here um, in verse 38, John seven thirty-eight. it says, now I'm talking about the Spirit, I'm going to talk about fruit, because we want to talk about the fruit of the Spirit. And church, you know, we cannot have a life where we are only stuck in the shallow waters of God only, you know, God loves me um, even if I'm a sinner. You know, or God has got good feelings towards me even if I'm a sinner. That is wonderful and it's good. When we were in the law, we didn't even believe that. We weren't even in water at all. We were on dry land dying. And then we got to the revelation that Christ has actually come and uh, came to sinners wherein our identity is not found in our sin. Our identity is not found in, um, in what we do. And we're very happy about that. But we must now say, God, since you love me, even if I have sinned, why do you love me? What do you have to do with me? What is man that you are mindful of him? What is the son of man that you think of him? What is man that you would give him rulership over the, the, the earth and those kind of things? What is man that through him and through the fact that he, when he believes something, it affects his life and even nature? What is man? Why do you have, what do you have to do with us? You know, if Jesus came to save us from what destroys us, we need to ask ourselves, why? Why this? You know, it's very simple. He wants to share his life with us. He wants friends. He wants family. He wants other people to know what it feels like to be him and to share in his life. Now, and I, on that I've preached many, many times. But let me read this again in John 7. It says, But he that believes on me, as the scripture says, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water, but the Spirit, but this he spoke of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy was not yet given. Why? Because Jesus was not yet glorified. Okay, so it says that the Spirit couldn't be poured out unless Jesus was not glorified. So we need to ask ourselves, what spirit is this? What word is there that will accompany a certain power that this power can only come to us once a certain truth has been fulfilled? What is this truth? A man, Jesus, conquered sin, conquered death, was raised up by the power of the Holy Spirit, and then went as a glorified human and was forever sealed and seated as a glorified human that will that is free from sin and free from death and went and sat in the Godhead. Um, now, when that truth, when that became physically true, when that manifested in the physical, when Christ physically went and sat down, physically went and, and was 
was or was physically glorified in that state of being, a spirit could be poured out. In other words, a power that will do the same to us could be poured out because we could have a word that says, you know, um, Jesus has actually conquered death and went and sat down in equality of God, meaning he's immortal, undying. Now that truth can be preached. When that truth is preached, we are under the power of that truth. That is why it's so important to believe something. When you believe something, the effect of what you believe starts to take place in our lives. Now, Paul spoke about the Spirit a lot. And let us just go into 2 Corinthians 3. And we're going to talk about the ministration of the Spirit here quickly. And we're going to talk about the effects that this has on our lives. I want to tell you the ministration of the Spirit is not just a good feeling that God loves you when you've sinned. It's not just that. It is a good feeling to know that God doesn't reject you when something wrong has happened to you. But we need to change our mind about those things where we come to the point where Paul was and where he said, it is not I who sin. So if you, the moment you can say it's not I who sin, you will not find guilt in your heart anyway. If You would just say, something happened. I've been abused here. I'm under the power of something. That I, that I don't like. And you can immediately say, I don't like this. This is not who I am. This is not what I wish for my children. Uh, none of those things. It's a freedom that comes to your heart. Hallelujah. Now, let us go to Galatia, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And we're going to read some powerful stuff. It says, <clears throat> "Do we?" verse 1, Do we begin again to commend ourselves? Or need we, as some others, some others, epistles of commendation to you, or letters of commendation from you? You are our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read of all men. Forasmuch as you are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart, and such trust have we through Christ to Godward. So what is he saying here? What is he talking about? He's talking about um, Ezekiel 36. That's what he's talking about. Let us just go to Ezekiel 36 and... Um, Verse 25, it says, Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Will I cleanse you? So who's the one that's going to clean? It's God. It says, And a new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away the stony heart, that talks about the law, out of your flesh, meaning I'm going to take the law's power out of your flesh. That means I'm going to take the fruit of the flesh out of you. That's what he's saying. And I will give you a heart of flesh, and I'll put my spirit within you and cause you. What does the spirit of God do? The spirit of God causes you to have the very attributes 
of God. Love, joy, peace, kindness, temperance, faithfulness. He will cause you, I want to add more, He would cause you to see things the way God sees it. He will cause you not to judge yourself by your own ability and own works. He will cause you not to confuse you with what you've done. That is what will take place. I'll put my spirit in you and I will cause you to walk in my statutes and you shall keep my judgments and do them and you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers and you shall be my people and I will be your God and I shall save you from all your uncleannesses and I will call for the corn and will increase it and lay no famine upon you. Now that is powerful. So here he comes in 2 Corinthians 3, and I want you to link this. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 3. Sorry, I just should have kept the place there. Glory to God. Man, this message is good news. It shows God, the gospel is not about God being angry with us about what we've done wrong. It is God passionate to give you his life. I want to tell you, church, I'm not going to be afraid to speak about the good news and to be labeled a law preacher when we talk about the fruit of the good news. I'm not preaching the law. The law is the ministration of death, but the Spirit is the ministration of life, and we have the, through that, through that ministration, through that Spirit in us, we shall see, not by our willpower, not by our good decision, not by our cognitive decision and willpower, but by his doing, by believing a certain truth that has a power when we believe it, we will find a new life. If I come to you and I tell you, listen man, you've got cancer. The moment you believe that word, there's a spirit or what we would call there's a power that accompanies that word believed. If I come and I tell you you've got cancer and you don't believe it at all, There's no power. (laughs) But if you believe it, you will have a power inside you unto sadness, unto fear, unto distress that is greater than the decision of your will. It is called a spirit or actually a power of a of a, a, a truth believed. In the very same way, if we can see the truth about us in Christ and have a heart persuaded of it, the spirit that's around that truth will start to shape, not will start, it shapes our thoughts, our understanding, and we start to lose our fear. We start to uh, lose anxiety. We start to have a peace about our business and about these provision and our marriage and all those kind of things. We find peace about that born from the spirit or the power that is released in the hearts of those that believe this truth. That's why the Bible says in John 7, this is the spirit that shall be poured on or upon those that believe the truth. What truth? that he was raised from the dead. And believe its implication that that truth, he was raised as me. And when you believe the truth of your union in God, then you find that spirit. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 3 from verse... verse, um, He says, "For uh, For as much as you are manifestly declared 
to be the epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not in ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. And such trust have we through Christ to God's word. So what trust do we have? We can trust that God, through His Spirit, will write the law of Christ, in other words, the power of salvation, the message of we are saved from the power that destroys, upon our belief. And when that's written upon our belief, what happens? Paul comes and says to the people in Corinth that you are our epistle. Meaning, that which we want to say is written in your life. We see the abundance of the fullness of God manifesting in you. You will even see he writes to the Corinthians in the beginning. He says to them that, that, that you guys lack nothing but the physical return of Christ. Or you lack nothing but the full appearance of Christ and immortality. That's the only thing you lack. But... Uh, Apart from that, there's nothing you need and we can basically not teach you anything anymore. So here we see that Paul comes and he says here that there's a ministration of the Spirit that, that caused you guys to live a life of power. And this is what he says in Ezekiel 36 and I want to read it again. He says, a new heart will I also give you. In other words, I'm going to give you a new thing to believe. A new spirit, a new power will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh. I will take the, the stony heart, in other words, the belief system of the law, for the law was written on stones. Says, I will take that out of your flesh. I will take the belief out of your flesh. What does that mean? We could see the belief system of the law manifest in our lives, documented in Galatians chapter 5, mentioning the fruit of the flesh, which talks about drunkenness and all those kind of things. Let me just say something about drunkenness. You don't have to be drunk every weekend. <laughs> you don't have to. Even If you are, Christ still loves you. If you are, you are still the fullness, the, the fullness of God dwells in Jesus bodily and you have His fullness. God smiles over you, He's happy for you and all those kind of things. But you don't have to be drunk every weekend and fight with your wife and children. and all. You don't have to. It is not a must. It's not a must. There's a promise of something more. Yet, that power that manifests that truth is in accordance to a persuasion in the heart. That's why it says this spirit is poured out on whosoever believes. So when we are persuaded of the truth and of this life that Christ has as our life, what happens? That spirit starts to manifest and bring freedom for us in that area of our life. Glory to God. You know, as you see this Bible close all the time, you can see the benefits of preaching with a tablet and not... Uh, and they have to open this Bible all the time. But I want to go to and fro and I want to walk this thing through with you guys. Let us just do it in 2 Corinthians 3 again and just read that. It says, For as much as you are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit. Uh, the Spirit will write the life of God in your life. 
What spirit? That one that was poured out when a physical man was seated at the right hand of God. That will manifest in those that believe. Believe what? Believed that God has conquered our physical death and that we can live and be immortal in our bodies. That is what it means. Hallelujah. Now, whenever I say that we can be immortal in our bodies, just add in your mind at the full revelation of Christ in His day. Okay? Because I don't want to say that every time. So, but that is, that is what this is all about. It says, um, not with tables of stone, but on fleshly tables of the heart, and such trust have we through Christ. We can have the trust that the Spirit will bring forth the life of God in us. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. Listen to that. He says, even if God manifests all these things in you through our ministry, it is, and through we preaching this, we don't find our identity in that. For our sufficiency in what we got right is of God. Do you see what Paul's talking about here? He's actually saying that through Christ we've got access to the very quality of God's life and church in Dynamic Love Web Fellowship, we're not going to settle for just having an emotion that God's not angry. He hasn't been angry. He's loved you always. He's always seen you as His kind. He's, seen you as, he's, he's always seen you as holy and set apart for His purpose. You've always been His blue-eyed boy, blue-eyed girl, the one He loves, the, the, always. And He's had you for a purpose, and that is to share His life with you. And He said, hands off, let me bring it forth in you. Can you just trust me? Glory to God. And He has demonstrated it in Christ with your sin. He's demonstrated how we can conquer that. And now it's our time. Glory to God. Who has made us able ministers of the New Testament. Okay? Not of the letter. In other words, not of the law. But of the Spirit. So what is he a minister of? He's a minister of the message that God, by his Spirit, can produce holiness, righteousness, peace and joy in manifested form in us free from our doing, and it, he, will, he can conquer all the things in your life, and in the end, bring forth immortality. That is what he's saying. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. So what is he talking about here? He's talking about the letter that kills, talking about the stony heart that brings forth death, that's in our flesh, and, and, and he's going to conquer death for us. But if the ministration of death, written and engraved on stones, was glorious, so the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away, how shall the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious? For if the ministration of condemnation or death had a certain glory where you could see Moses actually shine, much more does the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory, for even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect by the reason of the glory that excels. Now what is he saying? He's saying, listen man, <laughs> Moses' face shone with light under the law. And that wasn't enough for God. He said, I don't want to just have your face shine a little bit. The problem that Moses had is he couldn't have his heart converted 
to think like God and have the mind of God. He couldn't have that. He always obeyed God from an outside commandment. He continually had to go to the mountain and he had to speak to God and visions and talks and all those kind of things all the time. He didn't have a place where, you know, where the fire of God wasn't just shining on his face or the light of God shining on his face, but where he could have a life where he would not just in the fire see um, God declare himself as I am merciful, gracious, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy. He, he, I mean, he wasn't a place where he could behold that and his face could shine off that, but he wasn't in a place where he could be merciful, where he could be kind, where he could be all those things by the very doing of God. He was simply just living under the system of these are a disobedient people and just come and live amongst us and pardon our sins in the sense of, you know, just forgive us. But what God was looking at was, I want to come and live amongst you and I want to pardon your sin by living in you and sharing my mercy in you, through you, with you, that you can co-think, co-reason, co-feel with me and I will then bring it forth in you in such a form that you can actually in physical form live and never die. (laughs) Isn't that what Jesus is all about? Isn't that the resurrection power of Christ? That is. Amen. I'm not ashamed of this gospel. Hallelujah. I'm not ashamed of this gospel. Preach it boldly. And continue to preach it boldly. And we, we are seeing and we shall continue to see the first fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Now, 2 Corinthians 3. And uh, it says this. Now, (laughs) this is beautiful. It said, nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil is taken away. So what he's saying is, is there's something that closes your face that you cannot see the glory of God that the glory of God cannot be shown, cannot be revealed, when? By the reading of the law, when you're under the law. But when the law is taken away, listen to what he says. He says, nevertheless, when it shall be turned to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberation. Glory to God. Let's read from verse 12. Seeing then that we have such a hope, we use great plainness of speech. So what he says is, he says that there is a greater glory than that of the law. What is the the problem with the glory of the law? All people that saw signs, wonders and stuff in the Old Testament, they all dead. They died. You know, that means the law couldn't bring them to the place where Christ is, where he's resurrected from the dead. And now Christ, when he was raised from the dead, with all, w- w- having all our sin and all our death on the cross and died and was raised a man without sin, without death, we have the blessed hope of a greater glory than that of the law. So we don't have a glory just of a face shining. We, wherein we need to push through and pray and try and pull down. Oh my goodness. I don't want a ministry. I, I don't want to be part of a ministry where I need to beg God in worship all the time just to get some shining glory for a time. No, we want the real deal. We want the thing where the person of God, 
starts to indwell our emotions and our feelings and our thoughts, where the passion of God starts to indwell us. That is what it's all about. That's what the Bible says, that God will sanctify, He will, he will redeem us from all iniquity, Titus 2.14, he will sanctify us, own people for himself, zealous for good works. What he's saying is, he's saying, I don't want you to behold my goodness and let your face shine because of my goodness. I want the very person that I am, the spirit of this, the power of this, to shape your life into the very same so that we can both say, wow, that is good. I can feel it living me. Glory to God. If you don't have it, don't please don't let your mind jump to the law now, church. Say, this is what God's promised me. Glory to God. And I'm just, thank you, Lord, that you reveal this truth and that I, my heart, here's my heart, Lord, persuade my heart, persuade my heart, persuade my heart. That's what it's all about. And as, as it starts to do that, you know what happens to you? Glory to God, you start to see the fullness of Him um, and, and the fruit of Him coming to your life. Glory to God. He says, seeing we have such a great hope, we use great plainness of speech. And not as Moses, which put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadily look at the end of that which is abolished. But their minds were blinded for until this day remains the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament. Meaning by the law and commandments we cannot have holiness. What that means is you cannot become generous by your giving. What that means is you cannot become a loving person by loving others. You cannot become friendly by smiling. That's what it means. It says this, listen to this. Now the Lord is that spirit. What is the spirit that brings life? It's the Lord. So now, the Lord, the one who has conquered death, the one who has conquered sin, when I believe on the Lord, what happens? The Lord, because you know something only enters your heart when you really believe in Him or when you believe it. So when you believe something, the Lord enters your heart and the Lord is the spirit. And where this spirit of the Lord. What is the spirit of the Lord? It's the spirit that a man has conquered death. It's the spirit that a man has conquered sin. It's the spirit that a man in his physical body can live and never die. It's the spirit that God has united himself with man to the point that you find a God-man living in full glory. It is the spirit that he's Lord it over your sin and your death that his life is your life. That is the spirit. Where that spirit is, there is liberation. Glory to God. What liberty is he talking about? That liberation doesn't talk about the... Um, it's a liberation from the law, yes. But it's a, it's a liberty wherein you've been liberated from the flesh. And it's fruit. That is what it's talking about. Let me read it. It says, now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberation. But we all, with an open face, because we're not under the law anymore, are beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. What is the glory of the Lord? It is the kindness, the goodness, the temperance, the faithfulness, the mercy, the goodness of God inside a human being, so much in 
flooding him, that he is alive, shining with a life of immortality. We are beholding that truth when we are not in the law, but when we have the, the this message of the spirit that raised the man from the dead. When we believe that, when we believe that, we are beholding our lives in Christ. And now we are beholding it as in a mirror. And as we behold this in a mirror, meaning what we behold will start to reflect. And we are changed from the glory that the law brings, which is a wonderful life for a short period of time, into the glory of immortality. Hallelujah. Let's read it more. Hallelujah. I'm passionate today. (laughs) I'm enjoying this message. Romans 8, and I'm ending off with this. I won't say much more, but if I say ending off, you know what that means? Nothing. Right, Romans 8, verse 1. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation. It says, If the ministration of condemnation had a glory, for it was written on the, with stones, in stones, it's called the ministry of death. Meaning, the law cannot give you immortal human flesh. The law doesn't have the ability to save you from sin, man. The law cannot save you from stinginess. You can act right and live right. You use willpower. It's called will worship. It's where willpower is used in your worship with God. Now you're busy with this will worship and you are smiling, you are generous, you are giving, you are, you know, I'm sorry for hammering on the money, but this is how it works. The law is so powerless in setting you free from stinginess that you have to promise somebody more money to get some kind of a giving out of there. Where people could have just been free if the law was taken away. I want to say this again. If you're a preacher, you're watching this somehow, or somebody has got the guts to send it to some, some preachers, uh, uh, to hear this, that, that are grace preachers, that are still under some legalism. Listen, the law cannot save people from stinginess. A sowing and reaping principle cannot save them. That, is, that system is anti-Christ. Christ has come to be Lord. Of what? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, where the teaching is, He Lord, lords it over my sin and my destruction and my physical death. Listen, if He could lord it over physical death, He can lord it over everything that would lead you to death as well. The wages of sin is death. So He lords it over death and sin. And whatever would lead it there. He's, 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 the, he's the end of it all. He's the power of it all, over it all. That is what he is. And this Jesus that was raised from the grave, this Jesus at the right hand of the Father, when that spirit of the Lord is believed, what happens? That Lord, Lordship is now, the dominion is manifested over that area of my life as well. And what can we do? What, what does it say in Second Corinthians? He says, that is the hope we have. That is the confidence we have in Christ. That Christ will by the Spirit come and write in our lives the epistle, the gospel of life and immortality. 
Glory to God. Man, my message is not about the one that tells you we're going to go to heaven. Are you going to go to heaven? I believe you'll go to heaven. But that is not what the gospel is about. If the gospel was about going to heaven, no need for a resurrection. No need for a resurrection. But if our gospel is about the saving of our bodies and the cleansing of our flesh, where we by the Spirit can mortify the deeds of the flesh, where we can be actual partakers of our inheritance, which is the very life of Christ in every part of our life, you know what? Then there's a need for a resurrection. Glory to God. Then we have to preach the immortal body, the resurrection from the dead, the restoration of all things wherein the earth is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. And please people, that doesn't, it, doesn't say, it doesn't say the earth is waiting for the church to wake up. That's a lie. The church is not waiting for the church to wake up. The earth is waiting for Christ. For Christ is busy with His work and He's not lazy. And as the Spirit of the Lord is, is, is hovering in people's hearts, we find that that Spirit liberates, brings liberty, liberation from sin and death. Hallelujah. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, you are free for the first time to love someone. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, what is the Spirit of the Lord? It's not like this floating ghost thing. It is a belief in the Lordship of Christ over sin and death. <laughs> Hallelujah. Where that Spirit is, glory to God, there is liberation. Where that Spirit is, I've been set free to live fear-free. Not my doing, not my trying to obey laws and regulations, trying to, man, I'm not trying to build the kingdom of God in the earth. You know, we get doctrines and teachings that tries to tell us, you know, since Christ has done it all, now you go and you establish the kingdom. Oh my goodness, there we go again. They, l listen, why can't we just trust our Father? Why can't we just trust our Abba? Paul comes and he says in Romans 7 here, he says, um, O wretched man that I am. He's talking about his own flesh. He says, Who shall deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, who don't live by the law, but who walk after the gospel that the Spirit brought life and immortality to Christ, and that that Spirit raised the man into perfect immortality, sealed forever in glorious liberation of death and sin forever, and that that truth came, and, and it became true, as a man in Christ, and that spirit of truth, what truth? That a man can live and never die and actually conquer all sin. That that truth can be poured out upon the earth and preached, and that that lordship, as that lordship is accepted, the spirit of the Lord is in me now. And what does that spirit do? <laughs> what does that spirit do? It says here, um, is it verse 13? Verse 13, for if we live by the Spirit, it says, for if we live after the flesh, we shall die. But if we, through the Spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body, we shall live. One of the deeds of the body is to die. 
So he says, if we through the Spirit puts death to our death, we will live. How do we through the Spirit? We believe that the Spirit will do it without our works. That's what we believe. Glory to God. This is not a hidden thing of Satan to get the church to actually fall back into the law. It's not that. It is all about Christ and what he accomplished in his work and what the Spirit will accomplish in you. God promised you life, man. It's the promise of the Spirit that we talk about. Let me end off Galatians 5. And we can just go to, to Romans 8 just for weeks, man. I tell you, there's so much in there. Galatians 5, it says here, and I think you'll understand now. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. What that means is if you're led by the Spirit, you need no law. <laughs> now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness. Let's say, some of you, you've got adultery, you've got fornication, you've got uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envying, murders, drunkenness, and all those kind of things. I want to tell you, that is the fruit of the flesh. But there is a belief about the Spirit, about the Lord, for the Lord is that Spirit. The Lord is the Spirit. The Lord is the Spirit. The Lord conquered sin and death. How? By the Holy Spirit of the Father, the Father raising Him up. And now, this teaching of what Christ has done is the Spirit in the earth now. It's the message in the earth. When it is believed, the Spirit, the Lord Himself, will manifest Himself in your life. Glory to God, that resurrection power. Hallelujah. Let me just read this again. It says, but, verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit. In other words, the effect that, or the power that the belief that Christ, the power, the, the, the effect on our lives, the belief that Christ as a man conquered sin and death and that we will have that immortality in us by the Spirit, the effect that that will have on your life is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there, there, are, there is no law. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh and the affections and lusts. Glory to God. Amen. So church, let us just pray together and let us just uh, speak to the Lord a little bit about this and just have our hearts flooded with His truth. Father, thank you so much for your kindness and your goodness. Thank you that you've come to save us. Thank you that you have come to, to bring forth your life inside us. And we see a man full of glory hanging at the right, uh, sitting at the right hand of the Father that hanged on a cross that took all our sins, that died, that was raised, that has got a brand new life. And as we believe this, the Spirit of this Lord is upon us. And now our hearts are flooded with good news 
Our hearts are flooded with your truth and we start to see your fruit manifest in our lives by your doing. We find a strength that's greater than willpower. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, church, thank you so much for watching this. Thank you for listening to this again and again and sharing it with your friends. Uh, if you feel in your heart to share this, please do, man. Uh, be bold. Share this. People need this. There are people who don't know this. Uh, thank you for that. And I also want to thank everybody that is generous.